I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, the show where we cover the news from the past couple of weeks in the gaming industry. My name is Patrick Beja and today I'm very happy to be joined by Per Lenden. So I, I in, here in Finland with my Swedish speaking family, Per, we pronounced it, we pronounce it Pär. That's correct, I Patrick. That's uh, correct. Excellent. First of all, Hello to you too. So happy to finally be on the show. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a very long time. We met at BlizzCon a few times when I was working at Blizzard. Actually, we uh, worked together a little bit through the um, Swedish uh, people in the company. And uh, we've been talking about it for a long time, but it didn't uh, coalesce quite the right way. So I'm glad we yeah, finally definitely. managed to we do have- it. We've had this like conversation running for a long time, and I really wanted to join the podcast as well, since I'm a uh, podcast producer myself in Sweden. Uh, and I think we all uh, always had interesting conversations. So yeah, well, stars aligned, and now, now we're here. Now we're finally. here. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about a little bit about uh, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider reveal, a little bit more about God of War, Nintendo Labo being released, some E3 rumors, some financial results, and a bunch of other things. Um, but first. You, people heard uh, your lovely Swedish uh, accent already. Can you tell uh, the the audience where you're coming from and uh, who you are in a uh, uh, you know in a few words so they understand who you are? Yes, uh, uh, you know, Patrick. Uh, for some reason, people started drilling above my apartment now. So you tell me. Oh. If, uh, <laughs> no, we can't hear anything. It's fine. Oh. Okay, so but if it leaks, let me know because sure. this is super annoying. <laughs> All right, no worries. I have a baby okay. in the next door, so uh, okay. I might rival you in the super annoying sounds department. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a little bit about me then. I've been um, uh, working in the Swedish uh, gaming media industry for um, perhaps a little bit over 10 years now. Uh, I started my career... Uh, Basically, writing an angry letter to uh, to a Swedish uh, editor in chief. Really? For, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, for for a magazine called Level Presents World of Warcraft. Because I thought, uh, hey, you need someone that can write better articles than this. And luckily, I had a very good editor in chief who said, "Okay, then uh, prove <laughs> you do it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the rest is history, basically. So I uh, later became the editor-in-chief for that said magazine uh, and started my career writing for uh, magazines known as, as Level, not to be uh, confused with the British one. Uh, went on to uh, write about um, uh, uh, gaming for uh, a Swedish IGN, later PC Gamer, uh, doing a lot of podcasts. Today I'm 
a creative writer for Mojang and uh, Minecraft specifically. So you went to do... the other side. Now you're in the, the camp of the, the uh, developers and publishers. Yeah, but it's such a, a, a common transition for us. That's uh, true. I mean, I, among my colleagues, I see so many that make that sort of transition over to PR or to, to other gaming outlets. And, uh, uh... So I, he, let me ask you a question, actually. This wasn't planned, but now that you are, and, and let me know if you can't really answer things like that, but now that you're on the other side and uh, you, you see journalists' work as something that is, you know, judging or critiquing what, your industry is doing do you have a different outlook on it or do you do you uh, consider things that maybe you did before in a different way has that changed your view on on how journalists work or operate or or not at all that's a really interesting question actually i haven't really given it much thought but i think i've always had the opinion that um i take a lot of pride in my work and want to make it sort of right when i make reviews i i often perhaps this is the wrong mindset uh, uh but at least for me i i want to have the in lack of better words the right opinion i want to make sure that i understand the product and some uh, sometimes when i see now for example i think that uh a couple of Swedish journalists, for example, I, I can believe that, oh, they lack in, in the research and maybe they didn't get this exactly uh, right. And you forgot to mention a specific fact. So I wouldn't say that I'm too, um, too uh, uh, critic of, um, critical towards them. Yeah. Mm. yeah, critical, definitely. So um, I don't know. Perhaps this is something that will uh, come Evolve. as I go on. I'm still pretty <laughs> new to this stuff, so... All right. Well, uh, we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts in the future if you, <laughs> if you uh, develop some kind of uh, incredible theory about this whole switching jobs thing. If I stay on the dark side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, you still write as well uh, for Aftonbladet, which is a pretty big newspaper in, uh, in Sweden in the gaming section. So you still have a little bit of a foot in the, on, on the other side as well. So. I do, I do. And I'm very grateful for that as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that Moyang allows you to do that, actually. It's a, it's a very cool way of approaching it. So. Yeah, one could say that perhaps they don't value uh, the creative writing part as much as, as being a real <laughs> developer, if you understand my... <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful yeah. that I have that kind of deal. It's actually a little bit shame because I was recently, uh, just a couple of, um, uh, last year I was working for, for Dreampack, the esports producer. Mm -hmm. And I really tried to uh, maintain this sort of deal to write for Aftonbladet, uh, which basically meant that it didn't really work. I, uh, I got um, the offer to, to go to my third BlizzCon. But then, uh, basically, I couldn't because of DreamHack, which I felt, this was the first time I felt, uh, oh, this doesn't work out. Mm, I yeah, need to I make see. a choice at, at some point. And, yeah. uh, All right. Well, um, okay. Let's move on to the actual uh, gaming news. And the first uh, little tidbit we have is Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which uh, got its first trailer revealed a few days ago which the thing is this it's not a uh, gameplay footage so it's more of a mood uh intent trailer and there there isn't a, a huge to 
amount to say about it. It's basically more Tomb Raider, more of the reboot, and they call it the end of the beginning, making a reference to the fact that this trilogy was the reimagining of the uh, beginning of the life of Lara Croft. And after this one, she will finally actually be the Tomb Raider. So she's maturing into that character. Um, there is a, an indication that she's much more or even more fierce and uh, a force to be reckoned with. And she takes out a full group of uh, <laughs> a special commando type army people. And that's kind of a little bit of a change. Maybe you're going to feel more powerful in this game than you did in the previous ones, although you did feel pretty powerful by the end of them. Um, and there's then the other thing, um, there's... A, season pass that is going to add monthly content so for seven months you're going to get additional content to the game which is uh probably uh, hopefully the content will be good but i mean getting regular content is kind of game as a service for a season pass is kind of an interesting idea um other than that it's a uh, Maya slash Inca, I can never tell the difference, one of the two, uh, setting, and uh, she's going to have to deal with human sacrifice and that kind of thing. Um, it looks, it seems cool. Uh, it's the third in the trilogy, so it's kind of the more of the same, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But um, yeah, so Shadow the Tomb Raider, we're going to get the gameplay trailer at E3, the first one, and the game will be released on September 14th, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is now no longer such a huge mystery. I don't think we can expect uh, some huge surprise from a third game in a trilogy. But um, I don't know. What, what what do you think about this? This I mean, the trilogy, obviously, the, the reboot is obviously a hugely successful uh uh, endeavor and I really appreciate it. I really like the the first one and and played through a good chunk of the second one. Uh, but yeah, so this is the third one, right? It's not a huge surprise. Yeah, exactly. And I've, uh, as you said, it's been it has been hugely popular. And I would say that uh, what was it eleven million for the first game is uh, actually a really good result. Uh, I think five years uh, since the reboot now. I can't believe that time yeah. flies. As much. <laughs> yeah, it was twenty twenty thirteen. I think yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I got to add another culture. You may, mentioned Mayan Inca. I actually believe it was Aztec. So oh, we have crap. A lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of discussion going on right now if it's actually like what, what, what it is because, you know, the cigarette structure is both something that was, I think, both Maya and Aztec. Mm. Specific. Maybe they're so going to have a mix so they don't have to, to uh, get the cultural implications. It's possible they'll make something up. Yeah, exactly. Um, not to be said, as you say, we haven't seen any gameplay, but um, as we see uh, the trailer, I have to say that I like the idea of the setting, like this sort of uh, Tomb Raider compared to, uh, say, Uncharted has adopted this, you know, the dark, a little bit uh, more dark in terms of adventure, more... Yeah, it's um, very dark, supernatural, actually. Right, yeah. Supernatural elements. Mm. Um so just seeing this, as I, I often look at the setting to to become intrigued, and I think when I see the, the Aztec, I think I think it fit very well. And uh, uh, just uh, I take it you have seen the trailer and and our listeners as well. Yeah, and just the ending of it sets up for a very interesting story. So I'm, I gotta say I'm really intrigued for, mm. for what's to come for this third. 
Yeah, okay. she's questioning what she's becoming, and uh, it's it's well, she's becoming the Tomb Raider, but the Tomb Raider might be some something that she's not super comfortable with. It it would take the character uh, into an interesting direction if she's torn between what she has to be and what she's used to be. Um, yeah. So anyway, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, Still a pretty exciting uh, game for the fall. Uh, then I did want to go over a little bit of God of War. I did do a, a very long uh, half an hour discuss, well monologue about God of War for the <clears throat> last episode. I'm not going to go into spoilers. I did finish the game. I'll say that there is no, um, there isn't really a huge. <clears throat> I'm not going to go into spoilers. So maybe I'll stop talking. But uh, it was not disappointing. <laughs> you did a great job on that anyway. <laughs> I, I, I listened to the pod and I was just amazed how, how much you had to say about the game. I haven't played it myself, but I got to say I couldn't stay away. Right now I lack uh, a PlayStation to play on, but I still wanted to see what this was all about. And I'm not going to spoil either, but I got to say when I see uh, what they've done with the narrative compared to the previous games, as this oh, yeah. is... Also, somewhat of a reboot in the same fashion as uh, as Tomb Raider. You know, the little bit uh, more serious touch, not not as um, I would describe it as comic book. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm I'm so impressed what they've done with the character and um, also the setting of of Norse mythology. As a Scandinavian myself, I gotta say I'm very impressed what <laughs> uh, what's um, uh, Santa Monica has done with uh, like really good research, and I think the setting is just so perfect for. Uh, that's that's really actually. I wanted to ask you about it, as you said, as a Scandinavian. Um, th- so it's not like uh, silly or offensive, or it actually kind of makes sense. I think what they've done with the material in terms of of existing characters in uh, uh, the mythology itself, uh, and sort of make their own version of it uh, without be distancing it too far away. It's actually, uh, it's very hard to go into detail and take examples without spoiling anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but I would say but the antagonist is a very yeah. good example of, of staying somewhat true to uh, the Norse mythology itself. Cool. And compared to the previous uh, God of War games, I've never... I think both the narrative and the the, um, the environments themselves was n- never that interesting to begin with. I always think that the the sort of gameplay and combat experience uh, was the important part of the series. But right. just seeing this semi-open world, how beautiful it is! Um, I, I never even thought about it from the beginning as a God of War game, and it it's just so. It, people asked if. God of War needed this sort of reboot. I say yes, because this is a total new take on an already beloved uh, franchise. Mm. And I think, you know, my my conclusion now that I've basically finished it is it's consistently, consistently great uh, and very consistent until the end, meaning it's it stays at the same level um, all the way through. And now I'm playing, there's a little bit of an end game after you see the credits, and I'm, I'm going through that. And it is still very satisfying. It is very rare that I keep playing a game after I've quote-unquote finished it. And, and I still am. Um, I'm almost at the end-end now. 
and there's still other stuff that you can do afterwards but um so i'm still i'm towards the uh (laughs) the second end point which is not really story driven anymore Uh, and it's still very much fun and very challenging and so i really i i confirm my opinion that god of war is one of my favorite games uh, of the year so far and the year has just started but i sense it's going to stay in that list um but would you say that you're still um uh, this is obviously or probably uh, the first first game in a longer series of games are you feeling right now that uh, you're already looking forward to to the next to a next game in the same setting to learn yeah. more about this sort of universe I mean, I think they will have to change some things because I it's so consistent that it's almost the same thing for the 30 hours that you're playing. Um, so it's it's fun, but I don't want to be redoing exactly the same things for another 30 hours. So I, I trust that they will change things just enough that it will may it will become interesting uh, again. But I am very much looking forward to uh, what they will do with the next one, and they very much will. I mean, they set up a ton of things that will uh, that do mean you're going to see a, a, another one in that uh, reboot series. Uh, it's pretty obvious. I mean, they're not going to throw away God of War, uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's in some ways the game feels like an introduction to a, a maybe what's going to be a trilogy or whatever uh, of God of War and then maybe they'll move on to other things but opening it up to other uh, pantheons and mythologies means that they have a never ending uh, uh uh supply of settings they can they can explore i do want them to stay in this one for a little bit longer though i think that the uh, norse mythology setting is one of the more interesting ones and um i i yes to answer your question more uh, uh quickly yes i'm very much looking forward to uh god of war norse edition number two <laughs> yeah and i can't wait to 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 play it myself i mean uh, as i've said i've just seen uh the, the the complete story now but i'm super impressed by what i've seen and i'm really <laughs> hoping to get my hands on it soon yeah and the the gameplay is really a big factor as well it's not more than in a game like uncharted maybe where the gameplay is fun but really the driving force is the narrative elements in god of war the gameplay is very very much a driving force as well and the narrative is a little bit uh under maybe what we can see in uh, uncharted and those very narratively driven uh games from naughty dog uh but the gameplay more than makes up for it so um anyway um all right so I'm not going to spoil God of War in any of the shows. I know I said we might do a spoiler special, but I don't really think it's worth it. Um, I'll let you discover it by yourself. Let's talk quickly about uh, Nintendo Labo, which uh, was released last week in, well, worldwide. And um, it's it's still, I think, an interesting uh, concept, and it's pretty popular in some segments of the gaming population uh, obviously with children being the primary target it's a little bit specific in the the kind of people that are enjoying it but um i i have to say i don't think it's catching fire quite like some people might have expected 
um, were already, we've seen as we always do when it came out, some people doing funny, interesting things with the piano and, and doing covers on the piano from the uh, uh, Labo version. And, and that was cute, like YouTube videos. But I think it's already kind of going away, not going away as a product for Nintendo, certainly not. And they could expand it way beyond what they have now and i'm sure they would find uh, people to uh, to buy it and customers to enjoy it but it's just in the public eye it's not anything like uh, you know let's say motion gaming that really never went away or yes thankfully after a few years it did but i mean it was a really hot thing for a long time labo is just a side thing for the for the switch which is still very good but i i don't think it's uh it's it's not what some people thought it could have been. Um, and again, that's not a bad thing. It's just, yeah, it's cool. It's little cardboard things you're going to play with for a little while. And uh, it's not going to be of interest for the entire gaming industry. Yeah, it's a weird... Um... It was a weird strategy from the beginning, just uh, this whole idea. When I saw it, I got to say I was not very impressed, but I was still intrigued by the idea of this sort of, it was obviously a very creative move, uh, offering a way to to explore already existing games and do something outside the game itself. Um, I, I was basically calling it uh, the, the Ikea of gaming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, it takes a really long time to put the things together. Yeah, and some of the some of these products was just so uh, complicated from the beginning. Uh, so I believe that that's also part of the reason that you wanted to have this sort of uh, creative setting to sit down and uh, uh, construct it together, uh, probably as a family, uh, right, yeah. from parent to child. And I like the approach that it was an uh, extent of uh, what they already started with the nunchuck uh, and exploring new ways to to play their games and how Nintendo positioned themselves as a very, first of all, uh, catering towards a younger audience compared to the other consoles and uh, trying to grow, um, uh, establish that from a young age. But I, d I don't know. It's just, uh, as you mentioned, it's a little bit complicated and it's not really anything special at all. I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean it's special but for some people and the the very targeted uh well target that they're aiming for is enjoying it but it's not growing beyond that. I guess we can we can put it like that. It, it doesn't seem to be growing beyond that. Maybe we're things are going to change. It's only been a, been a week but and and again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that's uh, what we expected and that's what's happening and uh, the the thing is, with Nintendo, you're never uh, sure if you're going to be very surprised. And you, you, can, you can never know. And I guess in this case, we weren't. But it's, it's worth mentioning because sometimes you're very surprised. And I, that offers me a very easy transition to the financial results for all three uh, manufacturers. It's different periods. Um, Nintendo and Sony, it's... Uh, year uh 2017 fiscal year results for microsoft it's uh, just I, I don't know how they count exactly uh but it's uh, just one uh the early quarter for the year but the big thing is that nintendo has made a huge 
success out of the switch, which we already knew, obviously. And uh, the, the numbers we're getting are quite impressive. 505% uh, increase in profit year over year, which, sure, last year wasn't great. <laughs> they had on they were on the dying uh the 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 dying uh, uh, months of the Wii U so obviously they weren't going to sell a huge amount 3DS still chugging along but uh 505% profit is pretty big especially since the console just came out and Nintendo has always been uh, trying to make a profit out of everything they sell but usually what you do with a console is that you sell it at a loss in the beginning to gain market share and then you make up for it with uh, royalties from the games going you know down the line and uh, from the consoles as well once you've managed to uh, sell enough that it's uh, bringing in money and not uh, uh, bringing in a, a loss. Um, this has been different in the past few years, maybe, but usually that's how console manufacturers work. Nintendo has tried to make money out of everything they sell, and it seems they've been doing that with the Switch as well, because, yeah, lots of money bringing, coming in. Uh, of course, money from the games as well. I think they're at 17 million Switch consoles uh, sold. Uh, I might be... Yes, that's, uh, that's it. It's... Uh, 17.79 million. So that's already more than what the Wii U did in its entire lifespan. And uh, I guess there isn't a huge uh, additional amount uh, of things to say, just confirming that Nintendo is incredibly successful with the Switch. Um, there's a vulnerability in the Tegra chip, though, that might mean the, the Switch is hackable and you're going to be in, able to install a homebrew software like... Uh, 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 emulators and stuff like that. Uh, there might be a hardware thing required, but it seems that this thing is unpatchable. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, they're getting a new president. Uh, Kimishima has always said he was just he would just oversee the transition, and he's done a great job at it. And now someone a little bit younger is coming in, um, and we've seen some numbers from the mobile successes of Nintendo and one number I will nothing too surprising one number that did surprise me is the fact that they have 20 million monthly active users for Super Mario Run 20 million is is pretty impressive I would never have guessed that they still had such a success with Mario Run uh, on on mobile yeah I oh, agree uh, yeah. I've had um, uh, played uh, Mario Run uh, a lot quite myself and I think the game itself is quite flawed in in terms of how it reward you as a uh, as you progress in the game but i got to say in terms of uh, nintendo's uh, uh, venture into mobile gaming uh, i'm very impressed with the titles that they have uh, uh, come up with for example i'm currently playing a lot of uh, fire emblem heroes right now which i think is ah a you're one of those <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so uh, but that's a game i uh, i probably never enjoyed a game like that to mobile devices uh, before so uh, it just feels that nintendo understands uh, the platform well uh, very well and have established good titles from the beginning uh, obviously uh, looking forward a lot to uh, Super Mario Kart as well. See what they can offer from that end. And you, you know what? 
Yeah, they, 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 it's going to be coming out uh, fairly soon. We have more news about mobile games coming up in the, you know what? Let's just, let's just talk about this now. Um, very quickly, I will mention Sony is, you know, the PlayStation is driving Sony very significantly. They have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, big sales, big profits, big revenue. That's not a surprise. Um, Microsoft, which, you probably can't comment too much about since you're part of uh, Mojang, but Microsoft isn't doing too badly. They have uh, some numbers that are going up uh, compared to last year, which I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have expected. But it's uh, the sort of the uh, another example of the fact that even though Microsoft is lagging behind Sony uh, very significantly, I think as the the generation progresses the generation of console progresses um there's it doesn't mean they're doing badly they're pretty uh they're in the in the green for everything they're doing so that's uh, good news as well um and and so to talk more about mobile uh, we have a game from platinum coming out uh, fairly soon world of demons which is going to be something a little bit more based on timing than pure gameplay which probably makes sense for uh, mobile and platinum is a company that is very very focused on gameplay so uh, i'm hoping that we're going to see a, an interesting game there the graphics are definitely intriguing it is very much uh, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, I don't know how you call it in English, Japanese type painting. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. We have a new Castlevania game coming, uh, out on mobile, which is a multiplayer game. I don't know, quite know how that's going to work, but Konami at least is still making games. Sure. On mobile, but all right. Mobile <laughs> multiplayer Cas- Castlevania. Samurai Showdown is coming out of on mobile. We haven't seen gameplay there. So I'm curious, but I don't quite know what's going to happen there. And Nintendo is working with uh, Psy Games, I believe, to bring out an original RPG to mobile. It's going to be, uh, I believe, exclusive to Japan in the beginning. Uh, it's called Dra- Dragalia Lost. And uh, it's a, an original RPG. It's not even a, a port of another uh, franchise. So... Lots of things happening in the mobile industry, mostly in Japan, as we're seeing, because mobile is so dominant there. But these are real gaming companies that are uh, getting interested into the mobile space. So it it's quite exciting for people who have been waiting for, quote unquote, real games to come out on, on mobile. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um... This is a sort of natural step because you you already have a, a platform for a very good platform for revenue, uh, but also uh, as we've seen, it's so impressive uh, what you can actually push out on mobile devices and how better it becomes in terms of of graphic, which allows developers to to do so much about it. I think when you talked about uh, World of Demons, it has this sort of cutboard. Um, right, that's how it's called. Yeah. A very the, sort of the darkest dungeon feel, uh, almost for those who. A are, little um, bit, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for for example, I play a lot of games on my phone uh, because of the transport to back and and uh, to and back from work. Uh, just some stupid to tell, but, but I still feel this is something that is growing. And you mentioned Japan as being the, the most prominent one, but I've seen, I, I strongly believe that this is something that will uh, in the West for the upcoming years. Uh, yeah. 
I, I think what's what's maybe finally starting to happen in the mobile industry. I mean, obviously, gaming has been big on on mobiles for years now. It's it's nothing new. But what is starting to happen possibly is that we're seeing games that will be uh, really interesting to core gamers. Usually, what's uh, what's been Hmm. It's a different type of games on mobile. And yes, there are some very right. core games on mobile as well. You have some people who will play, um, I don't know, Battle uh, uh, Clash Royale forever and who are very serious about it. There are guilds, etc., etc. But now we're seeing things like, uh, you know, Fortnite and these developments in Japan, which are bringing... Uh, traditional game developers into the mobile space which is i think a little bit of a different thing than what we're seeing what we've seen until now with uh developers that grew up in the mobile space and that make a different kind of game so uh it's i'm really looking forward to that because my phone hasn't really been a huge gaming platform for me until now and maybe it will uh be another opportunity to play more games yeah, but exactly for for I, I would say there's no reason for uh, bigger developers with the sort of uh, uh, with the marketing muscle to to uh, release games on platform. It's obviously a crazy uh, platform for indie developers uh, to get their games out. It's just overflowing with, I would say, pretty bad titles. <laughs> so you you know it sort of drowns makes it very hard for. For, for games to to actually become a hit on the platform, but I will say, uh, as we'll see soon, because there's um, both the technical reasons and if you're a bigger studio, marketing reasons uh, to uh, make games on the platform. Mm. So they're they're at a point where they're uh, technically mature enough that you can actually consider making the games you were you're making anyway. Uh, and or anyway, or at least the style of game you enjoy making as a traditional developer, you can make that happen on mobile platforms now. And yes, precisely. Yeah, interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about E3. There are a ton of rumors coming out, and most of them have to do with battle royale modes. It's kind of crazy. Oh, We've been predicting this. <laughs> We've been predicting this for, you know, a year since the, uh, the the fever of PUBG has started. And now it seems that, uh, uh, let's say, 18 months later, and the games will be coming out maybe 24 months after the release of uh, PUBG, uh, that we're going to see... Uh, the release, I mean, the, the, the explosion of the uh, early access of PUBG. Uh, and we're going to see Battle Royale modes in everything. And some are a little bit surprising. Uh, there's a teaser about Watch Dogs, Dogs 3, which is separate. But uh, the, the Call of Duty rumor that we've heard is that the solo experience, the single-player uh, campaign, ha- is not ready. And so they might be... Uh, dropping it entirely or maybe they're going to release it afterwards as a, uh, a, a DLC or something like that but they're going to drop it for the release of the game and have only co-op or uh, co-op slash PvP into the game at launch and one of the, the titles, one of the modes might be Battle Royale. We're also seeing this with uh, Battlefield 5, which might have a Battle Royale mode and a bunch of other games. But the Call of Duty one is the most surprising. I would, I mean, 
I'm a solo campaign player for Call of Duty more than PvP, even though I do play it a little bit, uh, the multiplayer. But I can't imagine buying a Call of Duty game if there isn't at least a, a solo campaign. To be yeah, fair, I haven't bought it for a long price. time. But... Yeah, yeah, that's another question. How how much how expensive is it going to be? I can't imagine Activision selling a Call of Duty game for less than full retail price, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, um, it's a very interesting uh, development we're seeing for Call of Duty. But I've got to say, it's, it's um, I- intriguing. Uh, going back to E3, I think uh, uh, me and my colleagues have joked about like 80% uh, will be uh, focused on, on Battle Royale. Right. But I think uh, as we're about to hit that sort of oversaturation, I feel that you, you s- developers still need to or almost they're forced to jump onto the bandwagon now to to be a part of this and but isn't uh, it too late already like if i think that's a big we have fortnite and we have a PUBG and we have maybe a couple of other uh contestants in that i don't know that there's space for more than two big players in that uh in that space or maybe yeah, there we've is. Seen, I don't we've know. We've seen this before. I mean, uh, you will probably re- recall, like, this is the equivalent of what Blizzard basically did with MMORPGs with World of Warcraft. Streamlining right. and popularizing a specific genre, uh, making it accessible uh, for smart crafting. And I think we're seeing the exact same thing right now with uh, developers trying to to cash in on this battle royale experience just hoping that they will find a, a solution that uh, epic games did versus blue hole like when mm. even though PUBG was the so so to speak the the original one uh, fortnite managed to switch their strategy from their horde horde um, gameplay into this battle royale and did it so uh, amazingly amazingly well and I think right and free still... to play, but but I yeah, mean exactly. But but what you're what you're saying about uh, MMOs is really interesting because no one managed to even compete with World of Warcraft. The the big dog was there, and that was it. There were a few MMOs that you know, some of them are still going. There's uh, uh, the uh, ah the Skyrim one. Uh, I can Tamriel Elder Scrolls Elder Scrolls Online. Um, Star Wars, I believe, is still going. So they're still there. And maybe that's what some of these uh, developers are aiming for. Maybe they're thinking, if we catch lightning in a bottle, we can become something hugely successful as well. But maybe we don't necessarily need to eclipse Fortnite or PUBG. Maybe we can just have this little thing in our corner. I guess when you have different genres that are birthed, like even when you talk about uh, racing games or uh, fighting games, everyone was doing their own. Some of them were more successful than others and some of them remained relatively niche, but it doesn't mean they weren't, uh, you know, a, a good business for the developers that that made them. So maybe it's just a new genre and everyone's going to have their own, but as as a mode in an existing game is this like you need a hundred players or maybe they're going to have like 20 players battle royale but then it's not the same and and do you manage if it's like one mode in call of duty 
from you know the the 15 different modes are you going to have enough players is going to be something that is worked on enough so i don't i don't know that this can work yeah there's a lot of questions there especially when when you have uh, as we mentioned uh, a game that usually sells for retail price and it will not be a free to play one i would say in my case i'm not very I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, of the the solo player mode when i would rather play the the multiplayer so i'm I still think this is a an interesting move, but can they make it right? I don't know. Uh, I, I also think it's very, uh, not from just a, a selling or a cash-in standpoint, but I think that um, Battle Royale still is the number one mode in terms of creating good experiences and good storylines. We're seeing like uh, it's a very easy way to maintain players uh, and have... Uh, long longevity in the game mm. because it, it's it's never the same it's always a lot of randomness included uh, mixed with a good portion of skill which i think is very uh, compelling for a developer to include if you uh, understand what i i'm saying yeah yeah no of course of course i think it's um it is definitely a, a an interesting game mode beyond the fact that it's successful it is design-wise and uh, gameplay-wise, it is an interesting mode. So I understand that people are interested in it. And, you know, I would love to see... Personally, I didn't really uh, uh, fall in love with uh, either PUBG or Fortnite. So I would love to have one uh, developer creating a version of that mode that I can enjoy and that I would, you know, jump on the <laughs> on the bandwagon. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've seen it so many times. Even with MOBAs recently, you know, we have uh, obviously League of Legends and Dota 2. And then after that, there's obviously Heroes of the Storm, which is a, a, a distant third that still works for Blizzard. But after that, it's so difficult. I don't... Anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I would... I would love to see a mode that I actually uh, enjoy playing. I just don't think it's going to come for Call of Duty or or Battlefield Five. Maybe we'll have to wait for Blizzard to make one, <laughs> and uh, and that I will like. Yeah, they're obviously working on the secret titles, of course. Uh, oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, uh, um, but I think I think the, just your statement here shows that there's still a demand for for a third option or an alternative. Mm. Uh, that's something that is. Uh, a little bit more compelling. I still think that Call of Duty has to sort of, um, how would I say, uh, a, a setting in its universe that will fit very well mm. that that Fortnite and PUBG hasn't tried anymore. I think it's still a lot of experimentation that can be done with, with team formats, uh, landscapes and settings. So uh, if they actually decide to go for this, I... I as as you obviously say here, there's might be uh, a third alternative. Mm. And I think you know the more I think about it, when I I look at the the history of the different genres we've seen, if we look at racing games, which were really big uh, late '90s, early 2000s, you had you know Gran Turismo and Wipeout and and Burnout and Need for Speed and a bunch of different types of games within that genre and even if you look at fighting games you have Street Fighter and King of Fighters and Tekken and and Soul Calibur and so many different versions of that core concept maybe it's true maybe you're right maybe there are many many things that have that can still be explored in uh, the battle royale genre and us rolling our eyes already going like oh everyone's doing a battle royale 
uh, it might be a little bit of, of lack of um, uh, foresight or insight or some kind of sight because developers can absolutely they don't they're not necessarily going to make uh, Fortnite but with different skins or battle of Pub or PUBG but with different skins maybe there is stuff to be explored that will become really interesting for different people who are not currently as uh, obsessed with uh, the existing ones so yeah you've 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 convinced me i'm actually kind of excited <laughs> now about uh, uh less less eye rolly than i was i'm a little bit excited about this yeah, I'm not going to ramble on too long about this, but just one more thing is I okay. also think that PUBG is still a very flawed product in terms of uh, their, the gaming studio obviously has still issues to tackle like rubber banding, uh, unstable servers, cheating. And I think uh, I would really like to enjoy it to see another bigger studio take up something like this and see what they can work with in terms of uh, connection, uh, server stability, uh, and offer uh, a really good product. Mm, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. the 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 problem there is the resources. I think they're they're a small studio and they're surely trying to scale up, but they're they're uh, not uh, prepared. I don't think they were prepared for the, uh, <laughs> the success. Definitely, definitely yeah. not. Um, we're getting a new serious Sam. Uh, some people are going to be very happy about it. I've personally never really played Serious Sam, but I've heard it described as uh, Duke Nukem, but uh, good. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh for Duke Nukem, but uh, for the recent ones, maybe it applies. So anyway, Serious Sam is coming back. That's pretty cool. Uh, sea of Thieves, we're seeing a new roadmap for the game. And uh, you were telling me before we started recording that you, you got really uh, into Sea of Thieves. I think it, it remains a mystery for many people, or at least there's not enough content. So uh, is the roadmap going to fix the issues that some people have been talking about in, in Sea of Thieves? You know, it's funny. Sea of Thieves really is this is sort of enigma of a game uh, that everyone both praises and uh, criticizes uh, for the same reason. I think I'm still, I, I would say I have at least 60 hours played in the game right now. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it. a lot of people fell in love with this game and then wanted more. And that was where the, the issue came, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's probably what when me and my friends, we sit down and play this game, we think, oh, this, this game is so beautiful. But wouldn't it be fun if they added this or this? Mm. And that's how the discussion goes all the time. Uh, I think if we just talked about um, Battle Royale, and I think Sea of Thieves incorporates a little bit of that in terms of how it uh, the quests themselves is really boring in the game but it's a segue towards all those meetings with other players the confrontation right it's that's... a reason to to it's just a reason to get people in the same place and uh, into a conflict yeah exactly so now that they announced their roadmap finally i think um it's been interesting to follow how rare <laughs> their term in terms of communication with uh, their player base has been uh, lackluster to say the least mm. but finally we have this roadmap basically uh, laying out that we will get an update called the hungering deep now in in may uh, and plans spanning across uh, all the way to the summer i think but basically th they said that they will add uh, in the hungering deep a new ai threat to the world that crews will have to work together 
uh, and discover ways to defeat the, this boss. And when I hear this, I think it's great with content, but but it's still the main issue with the game for me, at least, is still the core gameplay. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, the 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 redundant and repetitive uh, quest system, and that the only rewards are the cosmetic ones right. and very limited sort of cosmetic things. Right now, we're seeing mostly focusing on clothes, not so much on the ship itself. I would love to see something more incorporated with the ship design uh, or adding specific traits to the ship. But as Rare have announced now, it's more about the interaction between different ships uh, and sort of maintaining that feel that you interact with other crew. And I, I just feel that it's it's a temporary fix to get to the game. It will be fun that they add something new, but it's still the the fighting, for example, is also uh, so so simple. You go to an island, you pick up a treasure, you fight six skeletons with the exact same attack animation. You're spamming uh, left mouse click all the time, and this won't go away. And this is mm. something I would love to see them work more with more. Challenging challenges in terms of enemies, new sort of quest systems, just something that feels refreshing for when mm. the game shines. And, and that's not when you meet. That's not what you're seeing in the roadmap. Uh, not right now, no. Mm. Uh, they, they've also announced this that they will have weekly events, which is a little bit vague at the moment. We don't really know what exactly it inclines. Uh, hopefully they they keep telling us that they're actually listening in very closely to the play base right now so perhaps they, this is something they will uh, address uh, but right right now it's just a temporary fix this mm. this hungering deep okay all right well uh so maybe they will announce things at um at E3, actually, I'm very One curious to see. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what Microsoft is going to be doing at E3 because even though we did mention they're doing well um, as a lagging behind uh, Sony, they have to. They, they things have been brewing in the gaming division of Microsoft with Phil Spencer gaining ranks and stuff like that, and I, I think they can uh, show us the the next 18 uh, you know 12 to 18 months of the console and get people excited again and that obviously a3 is the opportunity to do that so i'm very right. very curious probably more curious than for nintendo and sony i'm very curious about the microsoft conference and to see what's going to happen there yeah i'm curious as well <laughs> you don't have any uh, uh company meetings where they tell you everything that the parent company is doing I can't uh, deny anything. Okay, all right, excellent. We'll have to wait and see. Um, the uh, other little uh, tidbits we wanted to talk about, Valve is acquiring uh, Camposanto, the developer of Firewatch and upcoming uh, in, in the Valley of Gods, into the Valley of Gods, a really interesting narrative game. Um, Valve did say, or Gabe Newell did say a few weeks ago that they're going to get back into making games. I'm not sure anyone quite uh, thought that they meant we're going to buy companies that make game and so 
ta-da, there you go. Uh, hopefully that's not the only thing they're doing. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see what Camposanto is going to be doing with the resources that Valve can uh, put behind them. Uh, definitely an interesting developer. I really enjoyed Firewatch, but then ultimately was beautiful disappointed. Um, I think, yeah, it was really beautiful, really interesting way of, of doing the, the narrative uh, thing. The first 10 minutes, the... the things written on the screen for the beginning of that game is just text best written anything i've ever seen almost <laughs> um it was really amazing but uh yeah so anyway valve is buying companies apparently yeah um, it's interesting just yes, to see we know that they're de developing uh, uh new uh, free new vr games which is interesting is continuing this uh, uh this thing for uh, for VR games in general. So, mm. but but as you say, and, and Camposanto of all studios, which is still pretty small, uh, as you say, they have a very interesting way of of, of narrative. And I think that uh, their new game, what was it the the, the Egypt setting? Uh, uh, yeah, I would love to see what they bring to the table if they re sort of uh, maintain the same. Uh, narrative structure so yeah but uh, this is still um i can't get my head around this is a very very weird buy up yeah it's it is really strange it's not something that you would expect uh valve to do uh but i guess why not is my uh <laughs> is my feeling it's like sure okay why not but uh but it's not something that seems very logical it maybe they met and they uh hit it off and they were hanging out and they're like hey wouldn't you like to have the power of valve behind you and camposanto was like yeah sure and that's it i mean they were one very complimentary credit, in the... yeah one thing to credit valve for is that they're very good to spot talent and i yeah. would say that they valve takes pride in having very talented developers working at the company and uh just Take the example of Dota, for example, with Icefrog, I think, uh, is the prime example. And as you say, in this meeting, probably they, they saw which sharing the same values and mm. uh, clearly enjoying fireworks themselves. So uh, I can't wait to see what they bring to the table. Yeah. And and that's reminiscent of what they did when they uh, got the students who made Portal back in the, co in the company. But um, anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Belgium has declared loot boxes uh, gambling, and so they're illegal. And that was, I talked last time about uh, what happens in the Netherlands, I believe I did talk about it, uh, which wasn't quite declaring them illegal. It was some aspects of it which were, uh, basically, it wasn't a big deal for the developers. Here, it is a big deal. Uh, and they're illegal, they have to conform to Belgian law within uh, a few weeks, and the only way to conform would be to remove the loot boxes, and some of the games, it concerns all developers, and some of the games obviously can't be adapted, so it will be interesting to see if they just stop selling them to Belgian customers, because I think that's a much easier way of handling the problem than... Um, actually changing the game just for Belgium, but then you get into European law, because obviously Belgium is part of the EU, and does that 
decision in Belgium apply? Uh, I'm I'm not a, a lawyer, so I couldn't tell you, but I'm guessing it has implications. Uh, and then it would be taken to other courts and other decisions. It's it's probably going to take a while to figure out what happens be outside of Belgium. But I, I think my understanding is that in Belgium, it's settled. It's basically you cannot sell games with loot boxes, in, you know, uh, whether they're uh, uh, cosmetic or not doesn't matter. You can't have loot boxes and that's it. So I don't know how that's going to work out. I but, think it's um, a very rash movement and it doesn't feel thought out to begin with. Just seeing what titles is included on the list, uh, I find it like just seeing Overwatch on that list... Uh, and when it, it it just it just feels weird and not very uh, mm. f- thought out in terms. Of, okay, so this is cosmetics, but what about game changing loot boxes? I yeah, it, it does definitely feel like a knee jerk reaction and or maybe a political reaction, which is. Anyway, I mean, we've talked about loot boxes uh, quite a bit, and I think that it's pretty clear my opinion on it. At the very least, cosmetics should not necessarily be a problem. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. It is definitely the most significant decision in that debate that's been happening for months, the most significance in the gravity of it. But it's also from a relatively small country, so it's easier for developers to say, fine, whatever, we won't sell your games. We won't sell our games to your uh, citizens. And that's it, problem solved. And I really think that many of them are going to decide to do that if that is really the, uh, the, the, if the decision is inflexible. Yeah, what is intri- interesting though is to see if uh, uh, other European countries follow the same suit and, and uh, adapt what, what Belgium and Netherlands has done because it's all happened very fast and what does the other politicians do when they see this sort of chain reaction that's what i'm uh sort of worried about to see what the other countries will do when they pick up this news and Mm. if they'll they will be as rash in their decisions as well i mean the netherlands was uh, a kind of a quick decision but what they were demanding was relatively I think acceptable, uh, reasonable is not my place to this, or maybe it is, but I think it's definitely acceptable. They were saying, you know, you can't trade uh, items in games because that leads to trading outside of games for money inevitably. And so, all right, that seems like a reasonable demand. Um, but the the Belgian decision is one that I can't, really can't get behind. It's basically every loot box ever is illegal. That's it. You can't have loot boxes in your game. And that's, yeah, that at the very least, sounds rash. Very. Um, Sega and SNK, uh, well, actually, first Sega is announcing the Mega Drive Mini in Japan. Um, You're also going to have classic Genesis and Master Systems games coming to the Switch, and you also have a Shenmue and Shenmue 2 compilation coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC, all of which... Kind of, I think the one I like the most in all of this is uh, Sega games coming to the Switch. I'm sure some games are going to be fun. I wasn't a big Sega guy. I was more of a Nintendo guy. And I still didn't buy the Super Nintendo Mini. So that's how uh, nostalgic I am about these things. Uh, Shenmue and Shenmue 2, I think, are going to be wake-up calls for many, many, many people who are going to realize those games as groundbreaking, or at least the first one, as groundbreaking in a 
open world, let's simulate the real world type of uh, design at the time, they're going to realize it really wasn't a great game. Or it yeah, isn't this is, now anymore. This is going to to become a, a catastrophe, I would say. Oh, really? Releasing, <laughs> so... Yeah, releasing Shenmue today is. I, I can't see how, as you yeah, as you said, it's it, it was groundbreaking. But but releasing it today, I I couldn't see any reason for people to go back and pick it up. I've, maybe it's a good wave to to get new people involved, but it won't. Uh, as it hits the market, I I can't see how it will actually be. It, it won't work, and I would say the same thing for for the upcoming one. The graphics is just yeah horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree, and I think you know it's interesting because Shenmue has always been in the conversation. It it it's something that never gets completely out of the conversation of gaming, and even more now with the Kickstarter and the uh, Shenmue three being developed. But I don't think anyone was really asking for uh, it to be re-released. The only thing I can... They're saying they want to make the definitive version of Shenmue, and I, I, I don't see them working on it very much. I would see a port, maybe with the updating the resolution, obviously. So the minimum amount of work they're going to do because they're not going to sell many of them. So Yeah, I, I sort of see, see this as an, an artist trying to close his work and get some closure on... Yeah. Uh, a long series, but um, mm, question yeah, is, yeah, is if, if it will ruin the brand or <laughs> the people's memories. I don't believe in in this sort of uh, uh, discussion, but uh, there will still be consequences for for Shenmue. That's for sure. But you know, in, in, yeah, sorry. The, no, the, the that's really interesting. I think uh, uh, Yu Suzuki, who's developing Shenmue Three, might be cursing Sega uh, because there they there is a. a mini thirst for Shenmue and Shenmue this compilation is coming out in 2018 so I wonder if people are going to look at this play in a little bit and consider oh all right well I don't even those who cared about Shenmue 3 are going to go actually I don't really need it and not care about it anymore so Shenmue 3 is even more in trouble now that Shenmue 1 and 2 are coming out it's uh, yeah definitely mm. Well, then, then I would say in terms of nostalgia, and we, perhaps you, you're not into nostalgia as much as I am, but I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to the Sega Mini. And uh, uh, it, it's also in sort of weird place, I would say, because the titles coming to that game is in some ways already, already out. Uh, Sega is using Steam as a platform for releasing their Sonic games. We've seen that's true. Uh, the, the the sort of rebirth of of uh, good Sonic games with Sonic Mania, so that's also a very weird place for for this console to 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 come out. I don't know what mm. uh, why people should buy it really. Uh, I <laughs> myself was hoping for for Fantasy Star, uh, Shining Force. Uh, I don't know if you remember Quackshot, but th- there's not that many good titles beside or memorable titles as Sonic. Which is already out there, right? Right. Yeah. So, did you buy a Super Nintendo Mini or? I did not. And oh, so you're not uh, that mostly... much into nostalgia. I I blame uh, I blame Nintendo's uh, tactics with how many consoles they, they want ah. to sell. And that you wanted one, but you couldn't see. get it. Exactly. And will Sega do the same thing? That remains to be seen. I think they're realistic and they, they don't think they're going to sell that many. And I think in the case of uh, Nintendo, they were wrong. But in the case of Sega, they will be right. 
So <laughs> they won't right. produce a, a huge amount of units, I think. SNK, I'm still looking forward to it. If you're into nostalgia, you might want an SAK, uh, a Neo Geo Mini, which is probably going to be announced fairly soon for the 40 years of SNK. Um, they teased uh, something, and uh, it's probably going to be that. The Neo Geo uh, Mini with a few games. Um, I think it's kind of the same as uh, Sega. They're available on Steam and on the Nintendo Switch. I would be more inclined to buying a, a Neo Geo Mini because the console means a little bit more to me, but I still wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be so inclined that I would actually buy one. So um, yeah, you know, in, I, I don't believe it actually was released in Sweden back in the old days. So just I remember seeing one of those consoles a couple of years after its release and thought it was a very uh, unique, and it was like, oh, what is this uh, strange device? Uh, where's mm. my Game Boy, basically? Yeah, uh, but but. Definitely picking up this is something uh, like all form of nostalgia for me is very positive. And I think there's definitely gamers who, who uh, has there's a small demand for these kinds of uh, nostalgia kicks. I think for the SNK, uh, for the Neo Geo a little bit, not more, but it's more of a curiosity, as you said. It's a weird thing that has a uh, status symbol. It was so expensive. It was three or four times the price of a regular console, and the games were half the price of the console itself because of the way it was. Uh, it worked in the beginning. So there is some aura of um, mystery or something around the Neo Geo uh, that might make it a little bit more attractive than um, than something else but even there i'm not completely sure so um anyway that's gonna be it for our show today thank you so much pat for being with us it was it was great can you tell thank you so much <laughs> can you tell the listeners where they can uh, find you i guess on twitter or any anywhere else yeah definitely uh i do have a but since it's in Swedish, oh, you, do, you you cut off for a second. You have a. Uh, I have a, a podcast myself, uh, but since it's in Swedish, so I strongly recommend you don't listen to it. <laughs> well, you might have some Swedish listeners here, so you never know. Yeah, in case if we have some Swedish, I would uh, Swedish listeners. I would say check out Speckat. Uh, can be found on iTunes or any other platform with podcast apps. You can also find me tweeting uh, a lot about esports on Twitter uh, under Per Landin, which is uh, just my name in... Uh, I'll have the link in the show notes. Definitely. Patrick, it was uh, super fun. I'm a oh. uh, little bit disappointed we didn't talk as much uh, Blizzard as I was like. <laughs> well, like you know to... what? I'll have to, to uh, ask you to come back when there's uh, more Blizzard news to discuss in that case. <laughs> yes, please do. We'll do Especially Heroes of the Storm. I'm uh, hugely involved in the esports production there. So Cool. Well, we, we definitely will at some point. I'm sure, you know, maybe for uh, Heroes of the Dorm or something like that, we'll, we'll do that. Oh, amazing. <laughs> And uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm not Patrick everywhere. And you can also find uh, the show at Frenchspin.com along with uh, other stuff that you might enjoy. So go check it out. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. Take care.